to hear a lot about our women's ministry and the things that are going on. Um, so keep your ears open. We're, we're still trying to find new ways to do this, and hopefully uh, today's message will motivate you to want to do more. So um, <clears throat> we're going to jump right into it. Uh, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be at still. Um, and just so you know, this past week, uh, Scott and I uh, kind of had this moment, you know, we're kind of evaluating. He's, you know, constantly looking at how to best do this message, to, to share the gospel with folks. And this past week, you can even see it in the new tagline. <clears throat> this past week, we realized that the first half of John is really his public ministry. And so that's what we're going to hit on over these next few months is this, this ministry that, that Jesus does uh, with, with the masses as he starts his ministry, as he gathers people among him, uh, around him. And then we also will then transition, uh, we'll see how that works uh, towards the end, into his more intimate ministry, the close ministry, his followers, his disciples, those, those quieter moments. Um, so I'm really excited about that, excited that we get to do that uh, together. Um, <clears throat> I also want to pre- preface this ministry for any of my young adults that are here. This is a shameless plug too. Uh, there, a couple weeks ago when, we did, when I did my first message, I told them, guys, because we're doing a red letter study, we're doing just the words of Jesus in young adults. Young adults is college age, early 20-somethings. Um, and I said, you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff. Um, it's today especially. And I told them it's not a bad thing to hear things more than once. Uh, so this is partially out of a study that we did at the beginning of the semester uh, talking about Jesus and what he did with his disciples. Uh, and if you would like to be a part of our young adult ministry in two weeks, uh, Thursday the 28th, uh, we kick back off. Uh, we meet on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, let me know. Come find me. Uh, we'd love to have you out if you're new with us. Uh, if you're online and would like to join us, uh, just let me know. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to really see. Have you ever thought about that question? What does it mean to truly see? Is it just the image in front of you? Or is it something deeper? Do you dig down further and and understand that seeing really means taking it to heart and applying it? it? It's truly seeing whether it's worth something And that you should follow that? Or could it be something that's dangerous and should be avoided? There's a a message under this message. And and I hope you hear it. I'm not going to hit it specifically. But the reality is right now in this world, we are being drugged around by our noses. I don't care which side of the spectrum you're on. We are so easily taken by the nose and drug off somewhere to believe things that we see online, conspiracy theories, all these different things. And, and no one's immune. And we so easily believe it without seeing. We so quickly go, well, that must be right. It was online. <laughs> or that person posted that. It must be true. Well, they may not have seen past the tips of their noses either. What I want you to hear today, what John is going to show us, is that seeing is something deeper. It is going to the truth of it. It's, it's truly seeing what it really means. So, so take this, you know, when I got married, um, the front of the church, looking down the aisle, saw my wife first time that day. 
Not first time ever. It wasn't one of those weird marriages. Um, But I saw how beautiful she was. The visual. But trust me, that's not all I was seeing. I, I was seeing the covenant I was seeing what this relationship really means. And and here's the deal. I kept my gaze. I keep my gaze on that relationship. Because I understand how worthy it is. An engineer, when they're building a bridge, you know, they see beyond the 2D of ink and paper, and they see the intricacies of that that bridge. They see the math. They have to see beyond all that to see longevity. Because that bridge has to stand a long time. And then there's someone who's watching to make sure it's still holding up. Those are the good things. But think about this. If you were caught in a forest fire, you see the fire, you know, that is real, that is bad. But you keep your eyes on the fire because it could cut you off from escape. And you need to be on your guard and you need to be moving because there's a truth within that as well. You see, seeing goes beyond just what's in front of you. And it comes down to something more deep. And here's the deal. God has been calling us to do that with him from the very beginning. He's been saying, listen, you're going to see things. Your eyes are going to observe things. But I want you to seek me. I want you to see beyond just the basic things and understand who I am and how worthy I am and the truth that I give to you. It starts in 1 Chronicles, and they'll be up on the screen here. 1 Chronicles twenty-two nineteen. Now determine in your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God, to truly be active in pursuing him. In Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him, while he is near. Again, just chasing and seeking after the Lord because this is what is most worthy. And again in Hosea, and it says this in 10 verse 12, sow righteousness to your, for yourself and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like rain. From the very beginning, we've been called by the Lord, the creator of the universe, to see him. To bury his truth deep down inside. And it doesn't stop there. This is where we're going to be in chapter 1, starting in verse 35 today. John wants us to understand that if we truly want to follow Jesus, we've got to continue to seek him. And so we'll be starting in verse 35, and we'll break it up a little bit. But John says this. The next day, again, John, and this is John the Baptist. I know last week, in the last three weeks, uh, Scott and I have been saying it could get a little confusing. This is probably one of the last weeks we'll have all those different Johns in one place. John was standing with his two disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. We talked about how important That title for Jesus is last week. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. 
Side note, <clears throat> just a little Bible study stuff. If you see a time referenced, a specific time referenced in Scripture, you can assume that this is probably a firsthand account. Those two disciples spoken about, we know from a later verse here, we'll read in a second, one of them is Andrew, and we can assume because of it being a firsthand count and we're in John's gospel that it was John was the other one. <clears throat> Just a little side note, that one was for free, so if you're digging through Scripture and you see those sort of things, like the crucifixion, firsthand account. It's important to know those little tidbits in Scripture. But I want to stop there and dig a little deeper into just that first section of Scripture. You see, something took place here that, that we're probably not really used to in our interactions with teachers. Um, and, and I said this in the first service, and, and I thought about it in between, and I, I still mean it. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know how cool it would be to, to be a guy who has, we'll just say, 12 people who follow you everywhere. And eat with you with every meal and are at your house all the time. And, and I thought about that. I'm like, it would be kind of cool. But then I'm like, no, I'm one of those guys who needs some space. Um, but that's not how we do teacher following anymore. None of us are following someone like that. Flesh and blood person. And none of us would probably do what just happened here if we were. Drop our first teacher like he's a hot rock and move on to the second one. But that's what happens here. We have John the evangelist, John the teacher. He is out in the wilderness and he's teaching these guys and these two specific disciples in this moment. And when they see Jesus and John makes his proclamation, they basically say, peace out, John. We're following him. And at first blush, we may go, gosh, where's their commitment? Why? That didn't seem, that seemed mean. But because John is an incredible teacher, and because these two disciples heard every word he said, they did exactly what he's been calling them to do since the beginning. Like we heard last week, John's Baptist, his main purpose was to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. His main job was to say, this is the Lamb of God. And then to pass that leadership off to him. John's job is done. Especially for these two. Because they've been waiting their whole life, their whole time with John the Baptist, to see the person he's been talking about and to follow him. They gave up everything. John had been claiming that when he sees the Messiah, he'll let us know. And Andrew and John, being good Jewish guys and having followed a great teacher, said, all right, it's time to follow this dude. Which I want to kind of bring you into kind of the underlying story here, something that, that we might miss in our modern culture, and that is this, this idea of rabbi. If you don't see this, you might miss some of the intricacies of why Andrew and John were so willing to just drop everything with the first guy, and follow Jesus. It's in the statement of them saying, Rabbi, where are you staying? That term rabbi, it'll be up on the screen, is this idea in Jewish tradition at this time of a faith teacher. Rabbis, they could have been a lot of different things, but there weren't a lot of them. At that time, the religious teaching was priests, 
Sadducees, and Pharisees. Now, you could be a rabbi and be a priest. You could be a rabbi and be a Sadducee. You could be a rabbi and be a Pharisee. But for the most part, rabbis were these very, very specific teachers. There weren't tons of them. You know, in our mindset, we hear rabbi and we think, well, there are probably lots of them. There weren't. They were very specialized, very famous in this culture. And Andrew and John put that moniker, put that title on Jesus and something really cool happens. You see, their tradition, as Andrew and John have gone through childhood, is to follow the, uh, the Midrash in the Mishnah. This is the oral teaching of Jewish tradition. It tells them all the things that they should do. It's kind of a guidebook. And in the Mishnah, it says this. At five years old, one is fit for the scripture. Kind of put yourself in that place. You're five years old and now it's time to get your religious teaching. And they would go off to this school called Beth Sefer. It's elementary school for religious teaching, but it was basically their whole school. Sunday school all the time. And they would be taught the first five books of what we have in the Old Testament. And by the time they were done with that, around 10 to 13 years old, they would pretty much have it memorized. Some of you are flipping back going, ooh, that's a lot. But that's how important Scripture was, and that's how important it was to have a solid rabbi teaching it. They would move on to the next step. It says at 10 years, they're ready for Mishnah, the oral Torah interpretation. They were able to start having their own thoughts Going, well, does it mean this? What do, what do other teachers say? How do we move into this? Now, not everybody moved into that. Most, and, and I hate to say it in their culture, for sure, girls would stop after the first. And they would go into uh, the duties in their house and that sort of stuff. But a lot of boys would stop there as well. Definitely, by the time they get to about 13, their first Passover... In Jerusalem, and, and we know this as a tradition, we actually see it with Jesus. Jesus actually does the same thing. It's when he gets lost in Luke chapter 2. If you remember that story, the whole family goes to Jerusalem for Passover. The whole family leaves, and they're like, wait a minute, we forgot Jesus. We've never done that in our house. There's probably times we wish we had, but there, it, whole different story there. But in, the, in that time, Jesus is amazing the teachers because of what he knows. Well, he's Jesus. We, we kind of just go there and say, well, he's Jesus. He's divine. But at this time, a lot of these kids, boys, were that good at Scripture. And then the next step is where most of the people are left behind. Ninety plus percent of the population is not part of this group. And this is the group that would then go probably around 15 to 18 years old, they would go and sit under a rabbi. A rabbi calling you and saying, you are worthy to continue was huge. It elevated the status of your family. You were special enough, elite enough, to now study under a rabbi, go the next step, which was this, to learn more of interpretation, more of scripture, and to become just like the rabbi. 
Scripture, the, the Mishnah says it this way, not just to learn what the rabbi knew, but to become like the rabbi in all he does, to imitate, to truly see what he sees. This is the tradition that John and Andrew grew up in. And all of a sudden, they're being asked by a rabbi to come and see. For these two ordinary guys, these normal guys, and and eventually 10 more normal guys, fishermen, tax collectors, a zealot, they had the great honor of being called by a rabbi and to follow him, to become like him. In a way, I'm sure it kind of blew their minds a bit. We actually see it. We see that uh, it, it kind of... It, it, it took Andrew and John and threw them off a little bit. They were a little dumbfounded because we see what happens next, and it's amazing. Pastor uh, and author Max Lucado puts it this way. Consider John and Andrew. They were rewarded for seeking out Jesus. For them, it wasn't enough to listen to John the Baptist. Most would have been content to serve in the shadow of the world's most famous evangelist. Could there be a better teacher? Only one. And when John and Andrew saw him, they left John the Baptist and followed Jesus. Note the request they made. Rabbi, they asked, where are you staying? Let me pause there. There's lots of folks that I really enjoy listening to, lots of folks that I'm like, I'm going to sit under their teaching. And, And it's probably true in a lot of different places, different industries where you go to conferences and there's someone who's the expert. I have never once, never once, done what they did. I never once went up and go, hey, what hotel are you staying in? How many of you just cringed? It's kind of creeper moment, right? But that's what they did. They were so awestruck. They were, they were thrown off their game so much that they looked at Jesus and go, hey, where are you staying? And Max goes on and says this, pretty bold request, right? They didn't ask Jesus to give them a minute or an opinion, or a message, or a miracle. They asked for his address. They wanted to hang out with him. They wanted to know him. They wanted to know what caused his head to turn, his heart to burn, and his soul to yearn. They wanted to study his eyes and follow his steps. They wanted to see him. Let that soak in for a second. They didn't want just the things that they may have heard other people talking about with this Jesus dude. They wanted to experience. They wanted to follow. And Jesus doesn't leave them sitting. He says, come along. And they stay with him. Again, imagine this. These two guys, Andrew and John, are probably only elementary school level religious guys. They were probably very devoted as Jewish men. But they just got asked to sit under a famous rabbi to elevate their status, and it just blew their minds. Now I get it. They are standing with the tangible, physical, incarnate God of the universe. And there's probably something really powerful about that. We, though, get the same thing. So don't sit in a place going, it can only happen to them. We're going to continue here and see what else it makes them do. So starting in verse 40, 
One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, the rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Again, took an ordinary guy and said, hey, come with me. Come and see something amazing. And just like Andrew, couldn't hold it to himself, now has to go the next step. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael, another ordinary guy, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what we call small, down, small towner trash talk. Um, you see, the funny thing here is that Nathanael doesn't come from a big city. He comes from Cana, which isn't any bigger than Nazareth. And because he's looking at his buddy, he has not seen Jesus yet. He's going, are you sure? Are, are you sure you just, you know, you saw something online and it really got your attention? You know, it'd be like me growing up in Creston and going, God, could anything good come from Rittman? If you're from Ritman, I'm sorry. If you're from Ritman, you know, because you've said the same thing about Creston. <clears throat> Nathaniel hadn't seen Jesus physically yet, but wait for it. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I said it two weeks ago, Jesus is the best teacher that has ever lived. And in this moment, we see it in kind of two pieces. First, we see him use scripture, that scripture that is this Israelite with no deceit. That is scripture from the Old Testament. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm not just some schmuck, okay? I'm a guy that knows stuff. So he catches Nathaniel there. And then he blows Nathaniel's mind. And Nathaniel sees him for who he is. You remember two weeks ago, we made this statement out loud. And if you remember, do it with me. Jesus is God. Say it again. Jesus is God. Jesus pulls out one. I'm a great teacher. I know scripture. I am going to blow Nathaniel's mind. I'm going to use scripture. He's probably learned from when he was five to ten years old. And then I'm going to say to him, listen, I saw you under that fig tree. I wasn't there. Nathaniel knew that. 
I don't know what the fig tree looks like. I don't know where it was at. But Nathaniel was awestruck. Because Jesus is God. That is the movement that happens when you truly see Jesus. You move into a place where you're like, oh, how could I have not seen that? You move into a place where you're like, I want to be under that. And that's what John is calling us to here. He's saying, hey, come and see. Hey, here's Jesus' address. Now, for some of you, you're probably going, okay, yeah, but they were right there with Jesus. It was different. And I'm telling you, it's not. Jesus is here now. Scripture promises it. Jesus is indwelt in the Holy Spirit in us right now, if you have a relationship with him. But there are tangible ways to get closer to this rabbi, to truly see and follow Jesus. And, I, and I'm going to break you up into kind of two groups, but the, the one thing that is true for both groups is that we are hungry for more. If you hunger for more, you're not going to find it in anything else but Jesus. You may find something temporary. The world's good at throwing temporary things at us to make us feel good for a moment. But the reality is, whatever group you find yourself in, you're probably hungry for more. First, the group that doesn't know Jesus, whether you're online or in this room with this, you are here probably, or online, probably because you're hungry for more. You look around and you go, this can't possibly be all there is especially in this world right now. You're probably thinking to yourself, I've invested my time in so many different things and it's failed me every time. You're hungry for more and I am telling you this is the place to find it. Not only here because we teach scripture, we teach this and we try to be as true as we can to this. Not just because we love Jesus so much, but because this and the indwelt presence of Jesus is soaked into us. So if you're searching, I'm saying don't give up. Keep coming. Keep asking questions. We'll help you get into this. We actually have little books of John back at the first step and next steps table. If you don't have your own Bible or would like to just jump in just specifically into John, grab one. Take one. It's yours. Write in it. Ask questions in it. Dig deeper. If you are someone who knows someone like that, grab one. Take it with you. Give it away. But I'm saying to you, don't give up. Continue to hunger for this. Chase after Jesus. Seek him. He promises he'll meet you there. We have lots of ways to do that from studies, from alpha, from one-on-one -on -one interactions. There's another group, and it probably makes up the rest of us probably makes up the rest of us that, that we're sitting here going again, I, Jesus was tangible to them. I, I, my, my faith right now feels kind of stale. The world is crushing down on me. And I'm saying, don't give up. Don't, don't let the world pressure you into not seeing Jesus. There are lots of ways 
Being here is one of them, but it is only one of them. There are so many others. Getting into the Word on your own. Finding those who teach well. Being in Bible studies. Guys, don't give up on this. Don't say it's not worth it, because it is. Look how Nathaniel, Philip, Andrew, John reacted when they were in the presence of Jesus. They couldn't help but follow him. Find out Jesus' address and get there. And don't, don't think that you can't do this with other people too. Some of you are thinking, ah, not now. There's no way to do this with other people who know Jesus. Bullpucky. Stop making excuses. You get on Zoom for your job. You get on Zoom and FaceTime to connect with friends and relationships. This is just as important. You can get on Zoom and talk to someone about Jesus. Don't make excuses. Find ways to get in a place where you can see Jesus. Podcasts, videos, other teachers. We as pastors up here, we're not the end all in teachers of this book. If you want to know other pastors that, that can be trusted, because there's a lot of messed up people out there too. Hear me on that. We'll, we'll point you that. We'll help curate that for you. We'll send you to podcasts and other messages so you can continue to seek after the truth of Jesus. Our staff and elders want that for you. Desire that for you. Because again, when you get in the presence of Jesus for the first time or for a long time, you will become more like him. That's the goal. Remember I mentioned it? To be under a rabbi was to become like the rabbi. Let's become like the rabbi of rabbis. Let's start to imitate him here and out there. Stop being led by the nose with every whim and every political wind and follow Jesus. This past week, um, I was putting some fine final touches on my message and I decided to go to Rise and Grind. It was the day after Alpha. Um, and, and I knew the night before they had hosted two groups at Rise and Grind. And one of those groups was a high school group. That high school group was led by Jacob Juriga and Max Runkel. You know why? Because they saw someone do it, following Jesus, and they had a passion. They wanted to imitate it, and they led their own group. Now there's people who are seeing Max and Jake and the other leaders in that group, and they're going, what is different about you? It's because I'm under the rabbi, and I want to be like him. Take it a step further. I decided yesterday, I always go with my messages to run it for time and see how long it is, which of course I always blow it anyways. Um, <clears throat> and I decided to sit down and do it again. And so I went to Rise and Grind again. I like their donuts, okay? I didn't get this physique by not eating donuts. And I went to sit down at the table. And before I sat down, Max came over to me, put his hand on me and said, can I pray for you in your sermon? He did it because he's under the rabbi. He did it because Jesus motivated him. He did it because he's seen others do it too. Stop making excuses. Get to the foot of Jesus and learn and see. Keep your gaze upon the Savior. 
Max Lucado finishes his thought this way. Jesus answered to the disciples, come and see. He didn't say, come and glance or come and peek. He said, come and see. Bring your bifocals, your binoculars. This is no time for side glances or occasional peeks. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The fisherman fixes his eye on the boat. The girl fixes her eye on her love. The disciples fix his eyes on the Savior. You see Jesus, you learn from Jesus, and you keep seeking. Keep your gaze on the Savior. He will not let you fail. He will not get you misinformation. His truth is pure and awesome. It'll counteract all the stuff the world wants to throw at you. Let me pray for you. Father God, I'm thankful that you in your infinite wisdom said, I'm going to send the incarnate creator to the earth so that we could see all that he does and then we can continue to seek him. Father, put in our hearts to want to do that. No matter where we are, if we're just hungry to know him and we don't really get it yet, keep pushing. Allow people to be a part of that person's life. If we're already there and, and maybe it's getting stale or we need a new thing, direct our eyes, cause our eyes to fall on you, to see you, to truly see you. Jesus, guide us. Take us through a world that hates you. Allow us to be a voice of truth, love, and grace. Because that's who you are as our rabbi. In Jesus' name, amen.